0: He is risen. What a powerful, powerful rendition. By the way, that's the skit, guys. They put stuff like this together and uh, put it out there and make it available to churches. And wow, what a powerful just example of what it could have been like, right? We don't know for sure exactly the things they said, but what it could have been like. The bottom line is Jesus is risen. So happy Easter, happy Resurrection Sunday. So good to see everybody. If you're visiting with us, thank you for being here. Um, This is the second of two services today, so um, I'll probably tell the first service this later on, so don't get a big head or anything, but I'll say things like this, this is my favorite group. (laughs) See, I learned that from Mr. Stowe, he would say things like when he was with Sonny, he would say, you're my favorite daughter, and then when he was with the other two girls, he would say, you're my favorite daughter, things like that, they're not here, so uh, I can say that and it doesn't give away your secret. But um, you're my favorite group of the two services. Um, No, I am so happy that you're here. And again, thank you for being with us today if this is your first time. Um, The first service, I'm sure they all say hello to you if you were not here earlier. But um, we do, we celebrate Easter today. We celebrate our risen King. And I'm so grateful That we get to celebrate this. And we're going to continue with our series today, um, Equipped and Empowered to. And so we have been following Equipped and Empowered to do what? We're taking this whole year to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. The person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit this whole year. And so we know that He equips us, and we know that He empowers us. The Bible tells us this. And so as we're going through this series today, with it being Easter, uh, with it being Resurrection Sunday, we're going to talk about we are equipped and we are empowered to have life. I don't know about you, but um, I'm not really too satisfied with just going through the motions of life. Anybody else? You just... You know, sometimes going through the ho-hum, whatever, I, I just, God has come, the Holy Spirit has come, Jesus raised from the grave so that we could have life. And as a matter of fact, in John 10, 10 he says this, that you may have life abundantly. So it's more than just regular getting through the day. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew 28, and we're going to read a very familiar story today. Um... That you hear a lot, especially on Easter. So, uh, if you want to be there, also we're going to turn a little bit later to First Corinthians 15 verse 54. We'll be there in just a little bit. So, I wanted to give you a heads up on those two uh, items. There, um, I do want to reiterate what Miss Gail was just saying. Here she is. What Miss Gail was that you were sitting right there first service. So, I've got to get used to that too. Um, Thank you so much for all of your participation, for all of your prayers over this past week, the different things that have been going on. Such a great joy on Friday night to see all the little kids running around with their flashlights and collecting all the candy and those who were teaching the resurrection story to the children. Uh, It was a really good time that we had uh, together this past week. So Matthew 28, 1, equipped and empowered to have life. Great story here. It says, early on Sunday morning, by the way, the sunrise service today was wonderful. I hope you can all be there next year. Eleven churches came together early on Sunday morning uh, at Bellingham Park to declare that Jesus Christ is risen. That's what heaven's going to be like. No denominations. None of the denominations represented there, but we were all together um, just worshiping Jesus. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. Can you picture that just in your mind? Early on a Sunday morning, everybody's sleeping, and then there's an earthquake. Now, there's some people who had already gone out to the tomb. And it says that with this earthquake, they saw an angel of the Lord who rolled aside the tomb and sat on it. What a picture. It goes on in verse 3 to say, His face, the angel, shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear. So that tells me the guards saw what was happening. Not just the believers, but the guards saw what was going on. Those who doubted, those who mocked Jesus, those who even crucified Him saw what was going on and they fell into a dead faint. The angel of the Lord spoke to the woman, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body is laying. Imagine the jubilation. Imagine just the excitement that the disciples, as we even saw in the video, just the realization. Everything that this man told us has happened, And he is alive. He is arisen. And so they began to shout this uh, just wherever they went. And of course, we know that today that message continues. Here we are in the United States of America. By the way, this is not where Christianity was founded, <laughs> right? But it has come all the way here. Every nation around the world, most every nation around the world, the gospel is still being preached. But most every nation around the world is hearing the gospel of this Good news that this man Jesus brought that was made possible, not just because of his death, but also because of his resurrection, especially because of his resurrection. So I want us to look at a couple things here today. We're going to see where Jesus was equipped and empowered, but how that translates to us. Where he gave life, we're going to see that he also granted that to us. So let's look at a few things here. We're going to see what Jesus conquered today, okay? And see how that applies to us. First of all, I want us to see this. That Jesus, from this story right here, which is, in, which is in the Gospels, says that Jesus conquered death. Amen. Jesus conquered death. Now, death always involves a loss and it always involves, there's a sting of death. Anybody in here lost someone close to you? You lost parents, maybe children. Some of you have lost children, uh, close relatives, uh, close friends. You may have lost someone. Um, Stasha and I have lost close ministry friends. And uh, fortunately, my mom is back there today. And so hopefully she'll be around a few more years. Um, You know, she's the only one who calls me every single year on my birthday and sings happy birthday to me. Every I'm 43-year-old, people. 43, and she calls me every single year and sings happy birthday to me. I love that woman, and I pray that God gives her many, many more years. But the reality is, all of us are going to face death ourselves. That's an uplifting message, isn't it? Oh, Pastor, I just feel the power of the Holy Spirit here today. Death always, though, it always involves loss. Where we've lost close ministry friends, close friends, um, it, it it stings, It even involves, maybe you haven't lost anyone close to you, but if you've had pets, you've lost pets. Anybody ever lost a pet before and it just... Man, you bawled your eyes out. Many of you remember if you were here last January. Sasha's first guide dog uh, died on January the first. I still cry about that some days. He was like our uh, third child that we had, and now we have West, who's our fourth child. But um, I remember how how difficult that was. And of course, we've had other dogs that we've buried. So whether it's you know a pet, whether it's a human, obviously a human life is. Far much more of a, of a loss than, than a pet life. But we felt it. That's my point. You feel the sting of death that's there. Why do we have to face death? Why is that? Well, Romans 6.23, if you just want to write that down, Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Where did that all begin? We know that all, that all began in the Garden of Eden. You read about it in Genesis, where Adam and Eve both chose to disobey God, which brought sin into the world, and from that moment on, you have a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, who were supposed to live forever. Wouldn't that be great, you know? Live forever with their bodies healthy. Now, I don't don't know that I want to live in this body forever because it's getting to the point where it's not as healthy as it used to be and not as strong as it used to be, and I'm getting to the point where, boy, I would like to take a nap every day is that possible yes Yes. okay I just got permission every day thank you Lisa that's why this is my favorite service because sin entered the world death entered the world so here's another question we know that Jesus came and he died on the cross but Jesus was sinless So if sin brought death and Jesus was sinless, why did Jesus have to die? You ever thought about that before? Of course, we know the answer. He died to pay our sin debt. He took our place. That eternal death, that's what He took the place of. Now, yes, these physical bodies will one day, if we keep breathing, if we keep living one of these days, they will die. But because Jesus conquered death, excuse me, we too will conquer death. Thank you, honey. She's already looking for the water. (coughs) Anybody face That is part of the curse. Excuse me. So because he conquered death, we will too. Death cannot hold you. Your physical body may die, but your spirit may will not, because why? Because Jesus paid the price. You know the song, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. Here's what we know, that Jesus conquered death. Here's what 1 Corinthians 15 tells us. I told you, kind of gave you a forewarning on that one. <clears throat> but 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54 through 57 says this, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die this scripture will be fulfilled death is swallowed up in victory old death where is your victory old death where is your sting for sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power But thank God, that's why we celebrate Easter, that's why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, but thank God He gives us victory over sin and death through who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's who it comes from. So while we may mourn the loss of those we love, we rejoice in those who have died in Christ because we know we will see them again. The sting of death is very temporary for those who are in Christ. Quick story to illustrate this. My wife was um, back in high school, long before I met her. I wish I knew her in high school, but long before then. um, She was on her way to a youth summit in California. I think I'm telling that right. That's what I said this morning. No, but it's okay. So she was on her way somewhere. She was on an airplane. That's all that matters. So you you were flying to Charlotte? We could have been soulmates then. We were already married. I lied first service. Why didn't you correct me? We had a hole in between for you to tell me I was wrong. So what I meant to say was, my soulmate was on her way back to Charlotte to be with her husband, me. Here's the point. I'm going to have to apologize to the first service next week. Somebody write that down. Remind me. So anyway, she's on her way back on this flight, and there's this kid who's going to a youth summit. My wife was not. She was returning to her husband. So she's, this kid is on her way to a youth summit, and he's crying. He's, he's scared. Anybody scared to fly on an airplane? Anybody in here? There's a few on the first. got some brave people in here, right? Uh, Yeah, going to Jamaica last year. You were a little scared. I remember that, but we were able to hold your hand the whole time, and it was all good. Here's what Stasha does. Here you have this boy who is very scared. He's whining. He's crying. My theory is he was hoping to get sympathy from the girls, but they were thinking you're a big sissy, you know, so that wasn't working. So Stasha turns around. The youth pastor's comfort didn't help this boy. The girls didn't help this boy. So Stasha wise and married to a great husband at the time, (laughs) turned around and said, hey, I hear that you're going to a youth summit. Is that true? He said, yeah, and you're scared of flying, right? And, you know, she told things, I'm assuming, I may be wrong, but told this kid things like, you know, I've flown many times, da-da-da-da, you're going to be fine. And besides, look at it this way. You're a Christian, right? And he said, yes, I am a believer. She said, well, here's the thing one or two things are going to happen. You're going to get to the youth summit, you're going to get off, and you're going to have a great time. Or this plane is going to go down, we're going to crash and burn, and you'll immediately be in the presence of God. So it's a win-win situation either way. And she said she didn't hear anything from that kid from that moment on who was right behind her. Did I tell that right? Okay, good. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> we rejoice in those who have died because we will see them again. Jesus conquered death. What else did Jesus conquer? Jesus conquered hell. Now, why is this important? You know that there are a lot of people now in this world who don't believe that there's a hell. They think it's all made up. Um, but they do believe in heaven. Some, Not everybody, but most folks. More people believe in heaven than believe in hell. Um, because... Folks will tell you that you just live your life, you serve however, just be a good person, and you will get to your version of heaven. Um, there was once a story that was told of, a, my, this was my pastor, by the way, Pastor Del Jenkins. He told the story of a man in the community that had died, and this man was very wicked. And pretty much everybody knew that this guy would not make heaven. I mean, he was just, he was that bad. Um, So the man's brother came along and he's thinking, you know, this guy didn't go to church. He was very wicked, um, but I've got to get someone to do his service. So he came to this pastor and um, he hired this guy and he says, look, I will pay you a lot of money if you will do my brother's funeral, but the, the, the money that I'm paying you, you have to say this. You have to tell people that he was a saint. So here is this pastor and he's thinking, okay, this brother wants to hire me to tell the community that his brother was a saint and everybody knows it's not true. So anyway, the pastor accepted the money, got up, began the service, and he said, we are gathered here today to remember the life of Charlie. Charlie was a scoundrel. Charlie was a thief. Charlie was a cheater. He was a liar, and he was a wicked man. But compared to his brother, Charlie was a saint. That's an awesome story. I laugh second service too. <clears throat> See, the minister didn't lie, did he? He he got he didn't lie, but yeah, he got a little extra cash there on the side. It worked out. Now I've done some funerals of people that, in my estimation, okay, I want to make that clear. In my estimation, they may not have made heaven. You can just you can look at their lifestyle. Now the reality is that's between them and God because there could be that moment before they pass that they know who they they receive Jesus, they confess of their sins. That can happen, but in my estimation, I have done uh, funerals for people that I'm thinking, oh, you know, how, how do you minister in a situation like that? Here's what I do. I concentrate on those moments of the family and the friends who were there. And I'll say things like this. Here's how you can be assured of life. Jesus came to die for your sins, and he conquered hell. He conquered death. Now, I want you to listen to this next point very closely, okay? Because I'm going to say this one statement, and then I'm going to follow it up. Your sin will not lead you to hell hold on to that just for a moment your sin will not lead you to hell how can i say that jesus paid in full the price for your sin so the sin debt has been paid in full people go to hell for rejecting jesus and the price that he paid I've had people ask me all the time, "Lord, uh, Dave, Pastor David, what if uh, Jesus comes back and right at that moment I've just hit my thumb with a hammer and I say a cuss word? Does that mean, you know, I've sinned at that moment? Well, here's what we understand, that we're not saved by our works in the first place. We're saved by our faith in Jesus Christ, okay? Now, that does not give us license to sin. We understand that too, right? It does not give us license to sin, but we are made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ, That he shed every ounce of it upon the cross. So it's not our sin that leads us to hell. It's our refusal to obey Jesus and to do what he has called us to do. And that is repent of our sin and to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. I illustrate it this way. For those of you who have children or those of you who was a child at one point, and I think that would be all of us. We were all a child at one point. Um, My kids do not get grounded for doing the right thing. For doing the right thing, I said. They don't get grounded for doing the right thing. So their sin or their good deeds don't lead them to being grounded. It's when they do the wrong thing. I told first service this. Chad wasn't sure if I was going to repeat it or not. But, um, you know, my mom set things up like this when I was a young child, me and my brother. She said, you do this, you get your homework done, uh, you have the dishes clean, um, whatever else we would have to have, make sure your room is clean, all these different type of things. And when I get home, you will have privileges. But if not then you will have to suffer the consequences for that, which could be any range of things, whatever that was. But as I tell you all the time, Mom, please plug your ears. I was a perfect child. She's laughing. Mom, you're supposed to plug your ears. No, what would lead me to the path of being disciplined? It was not obeying my mother. That's what got the discipline there. And in the same way, as we look at this, God has given us a path to life, And he has given, there's a path also that's been laid out for death. The choice is up to us. The Bible tells us this the road to destruction is very wide. There are many avenues to destruction. But the path to eternal life in heaven with Jesus, it says it's a very narrow road. But here's the thing Jesus paid it all. He paid the price for us to be eternally in heaven with him. It's our decision to obey or to not obey. So that's how we can say things like this. Your sin will not lead you to hell. You go to hell for rejecting Jesus Christ. So we have a mission as believers to do this. That is to go out and to tell the world that there is hope. And it's found in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. You've heard this question before, and I, I just kind of answered this. <clears throat> How can a loving God send people to hell? Well, first of all, He is loving and He doesn't send people to hell. He gives us a choice. The choice is up to you. You know, our Stasha and me, our marriage would not be that wonderful if I made her, if she was made to love me. I am thankful that she chooses every day to love me. I'm so thankful for that because it's a choice, right? You, you hear that in marriage conferences, pre-marriage counseling, all these different things. You hear those type of things that marriage is a choice. Now, if she didn't have to choose, if she was just forced, I don't know that it would be as much of an adventure as it is. But because we choose to love each other, man, we have the time of our lives. We enjoy it. You know, I choose... To pursue God I choose to love him he gives us a choice to decide to accept Jesus God has given us every opportunity to enter to heaven to enter into heaven because he defeated death and he also defeated hell revelation 118 he says this I am the living one I died but look I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death hell and we're also going to see in our third point, I hold the keys to the grave. The worst sinner and the best behaved sinner will all end up in the same hell without salvation through Jesus Christ, the one who conquered hell, the one who conquered death. Let's also look at this. Jesus, point number three, he conquered the grave. Now we're going to break this down into a few subpoints here. As we're looking at how Jesus conquered the grave, because that's what we're celebrating today, the fact that we have a risen Savior. As we celebrate in just our church tradition, we know that on Friday, um, that's when He, he, was, he died. Uh, Saturday is the time that we know that He was in the middle of this thing of getting the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and He was conquering all of those things. Um, but we also know that on Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection. But in between the crucifixion and in between the resurrection, there was a whole bunch of conquering going on. And part of that was the grave. Without the resurrection, we have no gospel. You know, there were a lot of people that died on the cross back during this time period. That was the Romans' preferred way of killing people. A very slow, torturous death. Now, I don't like to think about that. You know, I I think any of us would not want to have a miserable, slow, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that because it's kind of like, but anyway, that's the way they did things. It was very slow. But only one person Rose from the grave, and that was Jesus. Everyone else, they were put into the grave, but they didn't come out of the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So let's look at this. Without the resurrection, we have no gospel. We're going to look at some factors here that assure us that Jesus actually rose from the grave. And as we read here, we know that the disciples saw it, or a couple of the ladies saw it, but we also know that there were some guards that were there. They saw this as well, and then other people called and came and, and saw the empty tomb. So here's the factors that, that assure us of this. First of all, the Bible tells us that this tomb that Jesus was put into was a brand new tomb. Now, for us, we think well, we dig graves for people all the time. They get their own grave. In this particular cor- culture, what would happen is you would buy this particular rock and you may, there may already be a cave there. There may not be. But you would dig your own uh, tomb, as it were, and all of your family members would be buried there. Now, why, it is, why is it significant that Jesus was the first one in here is because, again, the families would use the same tomb for loved ones. Well, the point that could be argued here is that critics could have argued that there was confusion about whose remains were missing. So, Well, you know, that was, that was Aunt Bertha, really, who's, who's gone. This over here is Jesus. These are his bones. You know, they could have said things like that. Um, whatever they wanted to say uh, could have made up stuff. But it was a brand new tomb. And when they looked in, they saw the folded garments, and there were no remains that were there. So it was a new tomb. It was also a prominent tomb. Why is this important? Well, the Bible tells us that there was this man, Joseph of Arimathea. He was a very wealthy man who donated his tomb for Jesus. Now, this was not a common practice. Joseph was well known. It was a prominent tomb. He was a prominent person. Everyone who would have seen and known about this. Did you hear what Joseph did? He gave his tomb to this guy, Jesus, who claimed to be the Son of God. But also, all the eyes were on this tomb because of Jesus' claims that I will raise again. So people were looking at this. A prominent person owned it. They knew about it. They were looking at it. We also see that it was a nearby tomb. Now, why is it important that it was even a nearby tomb? Why is it, you know, it could have been a distant tomb? We have to understand this, that Jesus was laid in the tomb just before the Sabbath. To understand the Jewish culture, when the Sabbath would approach, which always came at sundown, when when the Sabbath came, you could do no work and you you couldn't touch a dead body, all these type of things you were not allowed to do. Um... Jesus was on trial all night, the night before. He was crucified at 9 a.m. The Bible tells us he gave up his spirit around 3 o'clock. So whenever the sun sets from 3 o'clock, you know, probably around 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, whatever time the sun was setting there, they didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare his body. So the tomb was even nearby. Why is that important? Because, again, people would be able to see where this tomb was. It wasn't far out of town. Enough where they could get it there. We also know this being a nearby tomb, there were some things that happened that are going to sound kind of crazy until you realize, well, wait a minute, a dead man was raised from the grave, so maybe it wasn't crazy after all. Here's what the Bible talks about. It says things like this. When Jesus died, there was an earthquake, a great big earthquake that happened. Darkness covered the land. We also read throughout this story that there were actually people who were once dead who had been raised to life because of the power of the resurrection that was happening. It gives new meaning to the zombie apocalypse. But this was real. There are actually, there are written accounts of this happening to where people, or I should say the stories that were told throughout time uh, that that came down through history, Uh, people were raised from the dead. But it also says this, that when Jesus died, the the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. I want you to picture this with me, okay? We're going back to culture just for a moment and the way things were in the Old Testament. If this was the synagogue, the presence of God was in the Ark of the Covenant up here. You could not access up here Because there would be a veil, there would be a curtain that was here that went from the ceiling to the floor. And just imagine the ceiling much higher than this. But from the ceiling to the floor. The only person that could go back here at the time was the priest. And if the priest hadn't purified himself and been made holy, he would die if he went back here because the presence of God was so strong. So why is it important again that this veil that separated the people from the presence of God. Why is that so important? Because Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross gave us access to the Father Amen. at that moment, to the loving Father. And it was torn from top to bottom. Now, if I had a curtain hanging here today and I tore it from top to bottom, how would I get up there? Well, I'd have to have a ladder or something, right? But I I, I couldn't get up there myself. If I was down here, I could probably rip it from the floor up because I would just take it and you know just kind of Keep working my way up and tell Doug to run with one side. But it was from top to bottom. God was tearing the veil away so that you and I could have access to the Father at at that moment. That's why it's so important that um, we understand that Jesus' death did happen. He was in a tomb, but he didn't stay there. So it happened in a nearby tomb. We also understand this. It was a sealed tomb. Why is that important? Well, Roman guards sealed it to show that it could not be tampered with. So it was sealed up. You can't get to it. You can't get in it. It was also a guarded tomb, as it says here. No one from the outside could get in because the guards were there. You try to get by a Roman guard, he's not going to let you through. Why won't he let you through? Because if someone gets through, the guards die. That was the punishment that would happen there. So it was a guarded tomb. We also see, after Jesus arose from the dead, that it was now an open tomb. So it had been sealed, it had been guarded, but now it was open. Now I want to point this out. This tomb was not open for Jesus to come out. He was not standing inside the tomb saying, excuse me, guard. Can somebody let me out of here? I'm alive. No, God had done this. His father had done this. Jesus was gone. He wasn't in there. The reason that it was open was so that the angel wanted to show the world that he's no longer here. And it was an empty tomb. The angel said, do you see the place where he was laying? Every other religion has a place where followers can visit to honor its founder, but not so with Jesus because he's not there. Now, you can go see the tomb where he used to be. But he's no longer there. He is risen. It was an empty tomb. Finally, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 16. We're going to read essentially the same story that I just read, but it's from Mark's account. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, a new tomb. A prominent tomb, a nearby tomb, a sealed tomb, a guarded tomb that was now an open tomb, and it was empty. Mark 16.2 says, Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? That tells us there it was a heavy tomb, They, they, they the heavy stone. They couldn't, they couldn't roll it away. But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look. This is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as, you told, just as he told you before he died. You see, the story didn't end with Jesus being crucified. The story didn't end with Jesus being laid in the tomb. And the story for the disciples didn't end with even the resurrection. This right here says, go to Galilee and you will see him there. As we go through the book of Acts, you're going to see where uh, at the end of a couple of the Gospels and then the beginning of Acts where they saw Jesus. Jesus was there. and He said things like this, wait until the promise of the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Then you will receive power. Because he recognized this, his death and resurrection, he was leaving this earth, but he was not leaving us alone. He was equipping us and he was empowering us to minister as he ministered and went on to say things like this, greater works will you do? Because Jesus said, I am going to my father and you'll do greater works. What has Jesus commissioned us to do? What has he equipped and empowered us to do? To go out and give life to people. You know someone who is struggling. You know people who may even feel like they're at the point of death. Speaking of that, man, Corey (laughs) had a near-death experience over the weekend. A car T-boned him and he flipped three times, but God saved him. He's a little bruised, but thank God you're safe. Thank God you're safe. I believe God had his hand upon you during that moment. God saves His people. He does. And you know, yes, there, are, there will be a time, unless Jesus comes back, there will be a time where we will face death. But until then, we are called to live life. Amen. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, but I have come to give you life abundant life what's the pathway to that abundant life in this world that we live in that can keep us down that we can't get ahead acknowledging Jesus Christ as Savior as God's son who died on the cross who was in the grave who rose again it seems far-fetched I know that but it's the power of God of the gospel it's the power of God it's the gospel I'm gonna have Lisa come on up she's gonna close this out here as we can you stand with me I want to pray over you, but I want to read this scripture over you as well. It comes out of Romans 8, 11. It says, the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. How did Jesus rise from the dead? It was the Spirit of God. God has called us to life. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. We are assured of those who are in Christ are assured of life after death because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because He rose, we know that we will rise. But that has implications for us here today. There's the phrase that goes around dead man walking. You know, we we know of people who... uh, Essentially, they're just kind of going through the motions of life. You ever been there? I've been there, just kind of going through the motions of life. It's like, you know, what, what's even my purpose here? Jesus' resurrection life has given you purpose. We've got to find what that is, but we find it through Jesus Christ. Don't we, Miss B? We do. Here's someone else who has faced death. She wasn't supposed to be with us. And here it is. April 1st, and it's no April Fool's. We were told just before Christmas, you would not be with us. Where's the pancreatic cancer now? Amen. There's more work to do.